welcome to the Tottenham Hospital Supplement episode of what we called Rants. But can you rant after a 4-0 away win in a team known for being so dominant at home? Chris, are you going to rant about the racism you experienced in Serbia? <laughs> uh, terrible, um, terrible football you experienced? <laughs> I shall try, if, even if there wasn't any. Hello, everyone. It's uh, Chris Andrew here. Um, yeah, like you said, can you really rant after a performance like that? It's um, We actually played very well, and that's, and, that's, and that's the thing. We played so damn well. And all the fears that we had going into that game regarding... Um, what the fans were like, what the police would be like, what you know, the you know, um, uh, just ordinary ordinary citizens would be like. None of that really, none of that came came to the fore at all. It's quite a, it was our first ever time in the Balkans and in the Balkan regions, first ever time in Serbia, first time in Belgrade, and it was a very good experience. Everyone was friendly, everyone was cool, everyone was calm, everyone's eager to help if you know they're in trouble or uh, eager to give you tips of where to go around. I enjoyed my time there and the stadium itself. I know that they did have a um, a, a ban on the fans because of, because of racism, because that's why their fans weren't allowed or weren't supposed to be allowed at the top yes, of the hospital. They, they were allowed. Like, 140 uh, people allowed themselves, <laughs> to, to buy, allowed themselves to sell tickets to these guys, so they were allowed. You go yeah, with permission, you sell it. Yeah, okay, no, maybe my not. Property. It's my bloody ticket. I'll do with it what I want. <laughs> All right, then let me rephrase it. Not legally allowed to um, to get tickets. It's a bloody ticket. Oh, fair blood of it. I suppose those 200 um, or so fans now have lost their season tickets and privileges. So uh, I guess they learned a harsh lesson. But, um, but yeah, no, it was, a, it was great. And just the, the, only thing, the only thing that was a bit of a downer really was the stadium. Although it looks really grand on, um, on, 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 on TV and everything like that, the seats were just kind of... Uh, you're just like plastic stuck to a bit of concrete. That's literally what it was. I, like, I, I, don't, I don't think they want you to be comfortable in their stadium. <laughs> I, don't, I think that's the whole idea. I'm sure they probably put that. Uh, probably, they put, I'm, put, I'm sure they did Robbie Savage in the away room toilets. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so. I get a feeling that I don't see some kind of like stadium wide, not just for the away fans. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> but uh, yeah, other than that. I was looking forward to the, to the, the uh, intimidating atmosphere. Um, I don't know if, you, if you've all seen the video. I've done it. Go check it out. See what the atmosphere is like. The first 20, 25 minutes was like that. It was kind of uh, intense. Whenever our players got the ball, they, they whistled and booed. Nothing too untoward. I can't actually was... hear anything. I've asked them from when I was watching it, maybe because I was really nervous, obviously. Mm. It's hard to pick up the, the, the sense of, obviously, I mean, in terms of the intimidating nature of the atmosphere you really couldn't pick i couldn't pick it up from the stadium because i actually felt for me it mm. was if um red star belgrade the fans were waiting for their team to come alive mm. and it felt like fans the, t- the team waiting for fans love as from what you say mm. you're actually there on not away days um <laughs> you actually felt that it was a very intimidating atmosphere and well uh, it was it was, it was kind of, well, when I say intimidating, it was kind of the, the whistling and the uh, and the barracking was loud whenever we had the ball. But other than that, I guess, yeah, they were pretty quiet. Oh, by popping the uh, the far the far end where the ultras were, or the flag waving and it was and everything like they they just wouldn't shut up. And that was kind of that's kind of like a, 
uh, and, and it took Amsterdam as well, though, on the sides, was, was, was kind of sparsely populated, really. But, um, but yeah, it wasn't, the atmosphere was good. When we scored the goals, uh, you obviously noticed a, a, a dip in the, in the, in the, in the sound. Um, but uh, they still carried on singing when the full-time whistle uh, was, was sounded. And a good, um, they were kept behind in the stadium for a good um, 45 minutes to 50 to an hour. They were still on the opposite end, still singing, still banging the drums and everything like that. It was kind of surreal, really, if you think about it. Losing 4 0, yeah, they were still kind of uh, chanting away. Maybe they were, maybe they were singing Serbian, but we're going to win 5 4 or something. But, um, <laughs> the thing is, because obviously, talking about ultras, because I actually don't, when I think of ultras, I actually think, and I know this is probably wrong to think that. I'm actually thinking like like Burning City Zulu or something. That's what mm-hmm. I'm thinking, like proper hardcore. The yeah. thing is, my understanding of ultras is different because the ultras, I mean, it's it's strange because we don't really have like an ultra kind of thing in this country, do we? Compared to what they have in Italy, what they have in, in mm. say, in France, in, mm. in say, in, in, and obviously in, 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 obviously in Serbia. I mean, like, I mean, in terms of ultras, I mean, it was very strange because you think the ultras are going to be, they're, they were supporting their players throughout. Mm. And obviously, because obviously you've seen Balotelli, I mean, I don't know if you just recently found, I just found out just this afternoon. Mm. Apparently, Balotelli's own ultras were yeah. parroting him as well for not taking it as a joke or but apparently he misunderstood, whatever. And they're yeah. sending Hellesworth. And what makes it worse is I think that Balotelli is actually from Brescia. Yes, and yeah. actually in his hometown club. Yeah. So it's a strange thing. I mean, for those, I mean, like this is the same Belgrade. Is it? Is it? Is this the same stadium where it all? Or was that? In, was that in Croatia where it all like basically lit up? I think it was in Croatia, wasn't it? That's where the Yugoslavian War started, wasn't it? So, um, say that again. I, quite, I, think, uh, I understand that. I think in terms of like because obviously they talk about the intimidating nature of the atmosphere. Yeah. Uh, the log tunnel, everything. But I actually because obviously when you think of Red Star Belgrade, I remember. For mm. me, the first time I heard, I heard of Red Star Belgrade was really when they played um, Chris Waddle's Marseille in the Champions uh, League. Uh, the the yeah, European Champions Cup League. final. It was actually yeah. it was the European Cup final. It wasn't the Champions League then. Yeah, it was the European Cup. I think, and I think the next year it became the Champions League. 1991, I, I remember that. <laughs> and the next year it became the Champions League. Mm-hmm. I think a year later. But, mm. And it obviously, and it obviously 1991 is when... Is it 91? Yeah, yeah that final was 91, yeah. And obviously it all changed, everything. Everything changed massively because obviously the following year, Yugoslavia couldn't be obviously in European the European 92 Championships. Yeah. I think it was actually, it actually kicked off in Croatia, not in Serbia, but it's interesting how like that whole the thing in history, the whole, no, but it actually kicked off in terms of the incident actually happened because I think it's, there's a player, I think, it's a mean player. Swanee Boban, you mean? Yeah. Apparently, he had to like punch a player or so, a punch a soldier, a punch a policeman or something. He, um, yeah, he noticed um, the police were literally attacking uh, only the Croatian fans in that stadium. So uh, he did a uh, Cantonese-style kick on the um, on the policeman and, and ran away. And that's what kind of uh, yeah, started the whole nationalist movement in uh, Croatia, and then led to the civil war happening. In terms of like your 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 obviously you're going through Serbia, mm. and obviously I mean Serbia is because obviously I remember years later they were bombed by I think it was NATO it was some forces that actually bombed them during yeah. the 
know, during the war. And I remember you would see like Serbian players. I'm trying to think. It was a Real Madrid player, I think. He was Serbian. His name escapes me right now, but he was protesting as NATO. And they have a real sense of identity. I mean, were you able to explore? I mean, you, you went you went to Serbia on the Friday, Monday, was it the Sun Monday or the yeah. Sunday? I landed on the Monday, yeah. And so obviously Wednesday was the game. Were you able to explore much of Serbia while you were there? Did you get a chance to? Well, not much. Yeah, Belgrade, not, just having a yeah uh, more Belgrade than the whole of Serbia as well. But um, yeah, I did have a look at a um, little. Um, uh, was was when I go to a, 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 any European city, I like to have a look at their uh, their museums and stuff like that, just to get a whole really just of their culture. Saw a couple of places, and um, you do kind of get you you, you get the impression that uh, that uh, well Serbia. I imagine most of the former Yugoslavia anyway, but Serbia they're they're really proud of their history, really proud of their their culture really proud. I mean, there is an emphasis really on uh, on uh, on Serbian nationality, if you know what I mean. Not in a bad way, but uh, they are they, they are proud of their country. They're proud of their people, and you get and you get that feeling when, when you when you walk through the, through the, through the city. Really, um, that's why I, I guess they're, they're very welcoming to to, um, to all to, to all foreign fans and, and whatnot because they want they because they want the world to see how much they've kind of grown since that conflict 20 years ago and uh, it's kind of good to see really and, and it kind of makes you feel welcome I mean all that apprehension that um, a lot of us had uh, going into that game it was just kind of blown away if you spent like five ten minutes in, in, in the company of um, anyone from Belgrade really and it kind of worked out quite well and uh, yeah and it, it just kind of ended up enjoying the city and then when it comes to the football um, because I did a really silly thing <laughs> um, my, my, I couldn't get a taxi for for toffee, really. So I ended up walking from my hotel to the stadium through the Red Star lot, and I had my jumper How on. How far was that? Uh, How far was that? It was like a two mile. It was a half an hour walk, so I was running about a mile and a bit. And um, I didn't. I know I was kind of worried. I, I had no real need to be really. Maybe, well, maybe it was just a one-off. Who knows? Or, but um, yeah, I I walked through and uh, no issues. I, I, I had a few, of course few looks but uh nothing to to the extent of they're, they're going to do some harm to me but, you are uh, a good looking man chris let's just face it you are you are you are an oil painting <laughs> well there is that you know and i can't really blame yeah. it for we should we say something to add it's an oil painting of shrek but um <laughs> it, you are an oil painting well thank you, <laughs> thank, you, thank, you thank you for noticing but you walk through i mean there wasn't any I mean, like, normally you hear these horror stories. I mean, obviously, we heard about, like, I think, I think was it last year in Barcelona? There was, like, some real rough treatment by the Spanish police. Yes. There was, um, and so, you, because obviously, I think, I think what you, you, we do have these, like, conceptual head, because I remember before, like, going to Russia and for the World Cup, a yeah. lot of people were very frightened. There was obviously what happened to that guy, I think, in Wilshire, I think it was. Yeah. I forgot his name. And obviously there was like, oh god, we're gonna go to Russia. And, but when you actually go there, when you actually meet the people, mm. and you meet them away from their government, they're mm. just people. They just have hopes and aspirations and dreams, and they just want to be able to live their lives. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think what happens is you only get to see how do I put it? You only get to see a little bit of them. So, like for example, I have only seen Marco Marin. Well, a few times, I think, when he played against us, when he was at 
I wasn't Werder Bremen. I think he played against us for Werder Bremen. Yeah. And he played about 30 seconds at Chelsea. And mm. then, um, yeah, and then that was it. And yeah. So I, so in terms of like, so you'd be thinking of Marc Amman. Well, he can't be that great. I mean, I remember seeing him, they called him the German Messi, but he's mm. clearly a very sad flag. Chelsea ended up signing. I never played him, but they did sign him and they mm. thought he had something. Yeah. I think that's the thing. You don't really get, until you go there and explore and really get an understanding of what it's like, unless you just walk, even like even a day in their shoes, as you go to that land, mm. you don't get to experience it. So you will judge someone based on what you've seen somewhere else. Yeah. And it's very hard to, you know, I mean, that's the thing. We, we, we tend to be very judgy. I think increasingly so. We're mm. very judgy. I have, I have an idea of Serbians from obviously what happened during happened in the war, especially in Bosnia, mm. but that probably isn't the right reflection on, on, on Serbians. I mean, most because for most people, like they live their lives. I mean, like apparently, if you go to Hawaii pre Pearl Harbor, everyone mm. just got along, everyone just lived together. You know, there's yeah. no, there's I think that's the same thing here. I think people just want to know to live their lives. So I think mm. it's you know it was really incredible in terms of you've got to experience that, and obviously. Mm. I mean, you've been to Munich. Before, oh, you've been to Munich before, I think, because you yes. haven't. Yeah, so no, I had a couple of four years ago. So who knows? Will you be going to Munich for the, the last, last game? Oh because yeah. Now, because it's, it's an interesting one because essentially, if we beat Olympiakos, we're both through. Munich. Then we go through, and it becomes a dead rubber game. It, the game yeah. becomes meaningless. Mm. We obviously. Unless we beat them, well, I don't know, seven, I don't know. I think yeah. unless we beat them seven, you know, nine, eight, wait, nil or something. Yeah. It was really, it, it was really obviously, like, Nikkei Kovac lost his job. He mm. won the double last season. Yep. You know, he, 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 got, he got to dream of a club like Tottenham. It's like, we, we, don't, we barely <laughs> win anything. He ran us up a lot. You know, you should right. do a good job. Yeah. Because I actually asked, so there's, there's a buddy of, a mate of mine, Emma, and I mm. said to her, like, I said, like, apparently, I think Jose Marine's been linked heavily with the job. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he speaks German. I said, wait a minute, Emmy, you speak German. Mm. Do you want to the job? And she was like, she was, I don't think she, she found it kind of amusing. But yeah. I don't know, it's interesting to see. I mean, like, in terms of, like, you so you saw the ultras. And, like, well, you've been to, like, the Olympiacos. I mean, are the ultras, were there ultras there at Olympiacos when you went? Did you see ultras there as well? There were, uh, yeah, there were, um, especially at, at, at the, um, again, on that particular stadium. I was kind of warned not to uh, uh, tre- uh, walk to the stadium and get a taxi. So I wouldn't have done in Greece what I did in Serbia, as in terms of just walking to, from my hotel to the stadium. I had yeah. to get there because, um, from what I understand, the Olympiacos fans, the ultras there, they liked, they're, they're quite handy with the, with the blade, as it were. So uh, I don't want to miss that one. That's the thing. I think of ultras. I think of that. So yeah. But obviously, in this case, you saw a different side of the ultras. Mm. Their ultra enthusiasm, their ultra pride in their team, their mm. ultra stamina. Because obviously, I don't. I, I would have said we tonked them four nil. Mm. In the second half, you could just kind of tell. I think once the second goal, I think went in. Mm. They just thought, you know what? Screw this. We're, mm. we're going to the Europa League. We're not going to win this game, and they put a little bit of shift in, but they just know, and I think they know that. I think they're very dominant in their league, yeah. And I think the Champions League allows them to, because they qualify for it, the money they get, yeah. even if they don't go 
group beyond it. It allows them to basically keep their best players and invest, yeah, away from say, other clubs within Serbian league. Yeah. Therefore, they're able to keep their players for a bit longer. And therefore, mm. they don't really... I mean, look, basically, them getting the groups... If they, if they qualify the group stage, that is an absolute... That's like winning the lottery for them. That's like winning the Euro Millions. You know? Yeah, I think yeah. They're, they're a long way of matching what they did in 1991, really. That, that's, that, that's the honest truth, really. Yeah, and if you think of that team, you had like, players like Prozaneki, Savicevic. Darko Benchev. Yeah, they had some formidable players. And obviously, mm. I think, obviously, I, think I, I, I remember Savicevic. I mean, yeah, he was obviously one of the greatest players of his generation. I mean, yeah. Yeah, that was an amazing player. So, obviously, mm. this generation isn't as good, clearly. Mm. And it's weird because football's very cyclical. Because I remember, like, obviously, you think of Serbian players, you will think of like Milinkovic Savic, mm. Matic, maybe. But I can't well, really think. And I think now there's a trend now because obviously you've got, you know, obviously everyone's looking at Norway because of that uh, Harland kid. I think mm. Harland's kid, that Odegaard. Is he Norwegian as well or is he Danish? I don't know. The one hundred was it wasn't it or which player, sorry? Odegaard. I think he's um Danish or sweet Norwegian, I'm not sure. Odegaard. Uh but the sounds of it is that's a Norwegian that's a Norwegian name. Yeah. But I'm just saying so everything's cyclical. Have you noticed that it does seem to be like a fashion? What is this club doing? What that's club doing? Mm. And like it was just I don't know, for for me when I looked at the club yeah, I, I've been sticking faith in the club because I thought, well, do you know what? Ultimately, once he gets his players out on the pitch, mm. once he gets like, as strong as he can to what mm. he considers to be his strongest 11, mm. that, then judge him. And then yeah. you can judge how he does things. And in terms of like the, like, the performance, I would say, I think we spoke about this earlier, but I think the GLSL goal, if someone said, what is the perfect potch goal? It mm. wouldn't be like Tiki Taka, you know, or great individual. I think the perfect potch goal would be the player that basically caused a turnover is mm. the player that's goal or lays on the assist at the very least. Mm-hmm. And Celso did almost did both because Harry Kane, he had a slightly better touch. Mm. Even though he had the post, he yeah. would have probably got that in. Mm-hmm. And then get in, but he stuck in. I mean, the Celso was incredible. I thought I thought he was man of the match, and mm. obviously I just want to ask because you were there. Apparently, Ericsson was booed when he came on. Um, I wouldn't say he was booed. It was no, kind of like booze, a. Was it booze or booze? It, it was kind of like a. It was a mixed reaction, uh, mostly quiet. Some applause and some. Booze or booze. <laughs> but uh, no, it was, it was very mixed. I wouldn't say it was like an overly negative reaction. It was just more ambivalence, I guess. Because there, there's a lot of like songs that I mean, you, you've seen some other song for the Celso. Oh yes, yeah. the is on fire. Ericsson is terrified. Yeah. The is on fire. <laughs> I'd like to have sung that if I, if I saw that before the game. <laughs> that would have been great. It, it was. But, why I think the thing is, I mean, I was actually watching one of the, my favorite writers, apart from your good self, obviously, mm. is um, a guy called Seb Stafford Blore. He's a Spurs supporter, but he mm. doesn't let his Spurs fandom color his um, his reporting on the club. Yeah. And 
for me, what it felt like, even when Erickson scored, you saw him pump his fist, but that joy that was there, wasn't it? He, he, he was like, yeah, I'm glad I scored, blah, blah, blah. But yeah. the joy, the sheer delight, it just wasn't there. Mm. You know? Where it has been in the past, you could just see that there's this huge smile on his face. And mm. he, he's playing like a player. I mean, I have to think of it, it's like the best of Spurs under Pochettino has come from when Dembele and Eriksson were at their best. Yeah. Seventeen. Mm-hmm. That was those two guys were at their very, very, very best. Mm. And essentially, since then, we kind of plodded along. And it's as if I think Ondombele and Lacelso have been like a heart transplant. They've given us new life. Yeah. Yeah. I I agree with that. Really. Um. I think I said it. That, um. I'm not quite sure if um it was during one of our chats, but but um. I did say that um, that point, that team for 2017 could have been kind of like broken up slowly at that point, but uh, I know we kind of held on to players beyond their their, their, their use by date almost, um, and, and that's pretty much why we've kind of fallen away since then. And now that's why we're kind of doing like a, a a bit of a job trying to get it all back to some kind of level. And because we've done it so late, it's going to take a little while now to to get back to that level. Which I think is why you're now seeing the likes of Leicester going past us, even Palace going past us, and Sheffield United scarily going past us. And um, but I think it's an odd thing, though, because I think what you have is you have a competition for first and second between Liverpool and Man City, and which which, which wouldn't have been two teams if if we had broken up the team earlier. As I said, if we brought in a couple of players then. We would have maintained that level. We'd still we'd be up there with them, Man um, City as Liverpool were challenging. So uh, we kind of shot yeah, ourselves. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I mean, obviously, it would have been nice if we'd if we'd been able to sign the Celso or something. That would have been great the year before. And Ooh. clearly, we were. I think you know, clearly, we were looking at. I think Jack Grealish for a yeah. period of time. And Jack, I mean, Jack Grealish. I don't think he's even made the New England squad. And this no. is a player that and. I'm not being bad. I think Madison's in there on merits. Yeah. I think I haven't seen a lot of Chelsea play. Mm. Uh, Ross Barkley's there. He's, he's there. Yeah. He's on, he's yeah. I don't know why. I don't know why Axel Chamberlain's there. Why would you not give Jack Grealish a chance to see what he can do? I mean, England <coughs> is clearly qualified for the for the Europeans. I just think Jack Grealish. I mean, I don't know. You just think. He's got. He's been making a few mistakes though in the league games for Villa, from what I've seen, and. Um, I guess he's not completely trusted at the moment. I do think but it will be interesting just to see just to see between Madison and Jack Grealish which one of those is the biggest turd between the two of them. You know, <laughs> it really would be. You could, you could imagine you, could, you can imagine them being like something out of stepbrothers or something. You know, <laughs> just constantly just trying to one up each other. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I suppose <laughs> that's, the, you know, that's the imagery right there, I guess. But uh, it will. Well, and I, I know we were rumoured to be uh, interested in medicine as well in the past as, as well as Greenish. It would be awesome to get one or two or both of them you know, when we were rumoured to get them. And now they'll help the. I don't think we could have given them the incubation period. I think, I think what mm. people fail to realise is that so look, everyone's looking at Indeedy saying, "Oh, what a player he is! What a talent!" Mm. Indeedy was signed in 2016. He has mm-hmm. been at Leicester for one, two, three years. Yeah. He's been allowed to incubate, come in occasionally, 
a couple of times, but he's mm. given an incubation period of three years. Mm. Ricardo Pereira has had an incubation period of two years. Mm-hmm. The manager that brought him in, it wasn't a manager that you know, eventually has given him his chances. Mm. And I think players develop at different times. So we've seen someone like Ondombele who's shown real quality at times. But yeah. the stuff he was doing, like the way he... He obviously, he almost seems to be always off balance when he's running. He just honestly, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he has an awkward start on, doesn't he? But I think that's what makes it so hard for players to take the ball off him because he is so awkward. His balance is so strange that if you, the mm. only way to tackle him is to really put one on him, really. Yeah. And I think, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, I mean, I, I read this report. Like, I this, this guy. I'll, I'll keep, I'll keep his name, you know, quiet. <laughs> Um, he was like, oh, we've got, we got rid of Poch, he's this, he's that. I said, like, you've got, Klopp has got the biggest wage bill, and you've mm. got Pep. Basically, the owners have basically said, money is no object, which yeah. has now proven to be a problem. Yeah. Sign all the best managerial talent. Yeah. Whether that's Pellegrini, whether that's at the boardroom, whether that's in scouting, everything. Wherever mm. you can find best talent, you just recruit. Money is no object. And mm. that club has been built for Pep since, I would say, 2011. So mm. even when he was at Barcelona, mm. they had already built that club for him. They were already building that club for mm. Pep. So yeah. they just come and take over. And so when you have that level of time and money with Klopp, obviously, you know, the sheer amount of it, he hasn't spent money this year. But mm. I am sure, given the chance, he would have loved, like, you know, a bit. I mean, Fabinho's done very well. I'll give him credit. Mm. But, you know, you know, he knows that he's lacking centre-halves. I mean, if Van Dijk goes down, Gomez mm. really isn't that player that can take over. Yeah, true. And if you take away, if you take away Van Dijk and Lovren, you know, they've got the, but even then, I, mean, oh, I, I, I don't know about Lovren, maybe Gomez, yeah, but Lovren, if, it, if you put Lovren in, I'll be, I'll be rubbing my hands in glee waiting to play him. But I'm saying, I'm, but what I'm saying is though, because if, if you look at, say, the incubation period, I mean, like, again, tying it back, when I mm. looked at Van Dyke, I was thinking, wait a minute, Van Dyke, I remember us putting four past, uh, uh, what should I call it, um, what are they called, oh crap, uh, Southampton, you know? Uh-huh. And I remember, us, I remember us getting a pretty good result against Southampton. Yeah, a year, yeah, a few months later. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you wouldn't think, oh my God, Van Dijk is a super defender. But again, I think players develop at different times in the right conditions. They can mm. go from being okay players to brilliant players, and vice versa. You can mm. take a very good player in one club, put him in another, and mm. it just doesn't work out because it's not. So many things have to come together like the perfect storm. You yeah. Know? And then it's, it's the idea of maintaining that storm. Mm. And it's like a hurricane. Being How do you maintain a hurricane? It doesn't. Hurricanes, mm. like all things, run out there. Run mm. out of hot water, run out, you know, run out of energy. Mm. And I think what I think Koch has done is he's looked at this team and he thought, do you know what? I need to change things. I need to go to collect the lines differently. And I think instead of looking to replace Ericsson mm. with, with a, um, Lo Celso, He's basically looked to say, how do I place Ndombele? Not, not Ndombele, Dembele. Mm. And he's literally looked at two players and he's thought, okay, then Ndombele and Lacelso can be the two guys that can help me beat the press. Mm-hmm. If I can beat the press, then I can get a numerical advantage. 
Mm-hmm. Normally, you can you can you can you can either you can either get a numerical advantage by forcing a turnover, or mm-hmm. by beating, or a combination of both. Yeah. And um, he's looked at that, and it's also, you know, he's looked at players that can basically, when they run with the ball, they run mm-hmm. with purpose. Yeah. Because if you're running with the ball, you've only two choices: either whack the player, or shepherd mm-hmm. him into what I call a blind alley. Yep. And I think with Ndombele and Lacelso, they have a, a really clear understanding. They are as close to being potch players as one could hope for. And as yeah. I thought Ndombele was magnificent um, on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Maybe with that Belgrade, apparently this is not the best. Apparently, if they, you know, when they when they beat Red Liverpool, they were brilliant. When they lost to <laughs> us, they were eh, are they really yeah. Exactly. Ignoring that side, mm. I just looked at um, Andombele. He just ran that midfield, and obviously people have thoughts. I think after this, right, it's the international break. I think mm. the week after it's Spurs versus Arsenal ladies. So for yeah. me personally, you don't have to really worry about the game afterwards. So for me personally, I would go out with the strongest lineup you can, mm-hmm. keep that rhythm. I may, I would maybe change the fullbacks, maybe put in Ben Davis. Maybe put in, you know, because I, because I looked at one voice, and obviously you, know, you, you look at what you can see, but for me, he never looked challenged on that right-hand side. No one ever looked to really take him on. What do you, what do you think? Um, that would probably be true because we kind of uh, kept them pressed back a little bit. We had most of the ball, didn't we? So uh, uh, I guess when they, tried to, when they tried to break on us, they tried, always came through the centre. They never really went out wide. Um, so I guess that kind of helped for it a little bit, but uh, he was very he's very commanding that 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 right hand side. I mean, defensively when called upon, he did very well, but um, he was always looking to get forward and to push up push forward and to uh, provide the width for that that right hand side, and uh, he did very well. And um, so, but I have no qualms with him playing there against Sheffield United. I think uh, he will. Of course, he, apologies, that's someone ringing my house phone. People don't <laughs> realize no one's ringing house phones anymore. They ring mobiles, you dip. But, um, no, sorry about that. But um, I was going to say, but you're saying about Juan Foyth. I mean, people remember Trent Alexander-Arnold from, mm. let's say, last year having an incredible season. But he's mm. been playing for Liverpool for quite a while. Yeah. Only last year did he really become the player he became. Mm-hmm. It's like Bale. Bale really, obviously, the player that he became for, like, obviously, that went around Madrid and everything else, mm. he became a better version of it. But that mm-hmm. player that became the player that he was was mm-hmm. in 2010. Because he was the jinx. He never really thought, oh, Gareth Bale's on, or you know, he must be a little bit wary. True. And suddenly, all of a sudden, he, bam, he just gets it. Whatever he needs to do, he just gets it. I'm not saying one fighter gets it. And as a defender, you are, you are judged more for your mistakes really than much. you are um, what you do going forward. But for me personally, I actually do see his future being on the right-hand side of the of three centre-backs, I really don't see him as a full-back, for me you personally. Don't. Okay, well... I, see, I, I do see him more like... The way I see that, I, I honestly can see a time when we maybe play, say, three at the back, you'd have, say, um, Juan Foyth, Delta Sanchez, and Ben Davis, for example. Mm. Ben Davis. And then you'd have, say, Sessegnon on one side, and, well, I would love to have Hakimi on the right flank. That's never happening, but... I saw that link earlier this week as well, so uh, who knows? 
And again, it's an incubation period. I mean, basically, I think he, this is his second year on loan. Mm. And it's just, it's dangerous. I can understand why Poch is very reluctant to let players go on loan because ultimately, you're not really going to want to develop someone. I'm, I'm, not, I'm a contractor at my, at my job. And mm. yes, they'll train me to do my job, but there's no motivation in like, how are we can develop it, how are we going to do this, this, this for him, you know? Because I'm not an asset to him. I can mm. go at any time. And I think if you're a loan player, I think that's why Poch is reluctant to let players go to on loan unless he has to, mm. or unless he, so these guys aren't good enough because he's looking at players, he thinks, can they be, you know, will they develop? Will they get, mm. will they get the level of attention they need mm. when they're not be there for more than a year? They just, they're, they're just plugging holes. Mm. You know? They're not really, in, you know, would you, why would you do like a, I mean, obviously pros are pros, but, would you really look to develop someone just to lose them to someone else the next season? Nah, I would put that effort in. I'm not over that much effort in my job now. Let alone, you know. <laughs> I guess that explains Jack Clark's position in, doesn't it? I say again, sorry. I guess that explains Jack Clark's position at Leeds, doesn't it? Yeah, I think Jack Clark. I think that was different though, because basically they can only show have so many um, lone players mm. uh, on in the matchday squad, and they have six. So instead of five, they have six. So he just falls by the wayside. If they hadn't signed that player, the fifth player they'd signed, the sixth player, that wouldn't be an issue. But I, I'm reckoning, do you know what? This will this be a real test of character for him, you know? Mm. And this will be how he develops. Because it's mentally, you are really fighting and fighting. And, you know, it may be like, you know, can he become the player? Yeah. Mm. yeah. If he's on the pod, chances are his game time will be limited. Yeah. Yeah. He's 18, 19. I mean, it takes a lot for a player to break into that squad. I mean, I think, if if memory says, I don't know if I'm true, but Parrot was on that bench, wasn't he? Parrot, sorry, Parrot was on the Spurs. Red Star bench, yeah, he was, yeah. Well, not Red Star bench, yeah, but Red Star game. I mean, obviously, they held you back. Were you able to see him walk, obviously, in the warm up, in the half time when they go out and warm up? And Mm. what did you think, just watching him? Because obviously, he, he looks so good. Like scoring, obviously, and everyone looks great. Yeah, you know, they look fantastic. Mm. How did you? How when he was actually doing like the rondos and everything else? What did? What was your impression of him? Uh, my impression. Well, it, it might sound bad, but I just thought, um, just just a kid, ha- a kid having, having to be where he is. Although yeah, he did have a serious head on him. I mean, he was doing the training and everything like that. But um, hard to say, really. Maybe. Maybe, uh, yeah, it's kind of hard to say really. He just kind of go through the motions, I guess, on the pitch. So uh, he, he was, he was, so he, he was doing what he needed to, to, to be done. But I guess if you kind of know that you're not going to play a part in the game at all, then um, you're just going to do what you need to do, aren't you? So um, I didn't, and I didn't really believe that he was actually going to play a part, which is kind of a shame because I think he's a, a good, you know, he will be a, a, a good addition when he comes up to the pitch. He needs a lot longer than the, uh, what, the, the seventy uh, odd minutes that he's got against Colchester, uh, and I think he has deserved that chance. He's banging them in for the reserves, banging them in for the under twenty three, banging them in for uh, you know in, in, the, in the youth league. I think it would have been. I think at some point he, he, might, he needs the next, uh, fifteen minutes on the pitch because you know. Oh, well, he's, he's going to get it. I mean, apparently he's made the Republic of Ireland squad. He's made the cut. He's been so... with the Republic of Ireland squad over the last two squads. No, no, he was in the under 21s. I think this time they've seen enough of him to actually say, look, you will be training with senior players, the senior pros. And mm. I can actually see him actually, if we do beat Olympiakos, 
I can, I can, I, and if we do like, so let's say not get a good, let's say a good couple of goals, like if we're up a couple of goals, or like five minutes to go, then mm. we'll just bring him on just so he can feel the lane, you know, mm. just so he like, so like to feel like I'm in such a great state. And I think, um, I just can imagine him playing against Bayern Munich because it's a nothing game. You might as well play a bunch of kids, like your absolute best and brightest kids. So whether that be Tanganga, whether that be Oliver Skip, whether that be um, Tripara, these are players you think, well, do you know what? I'll play these three. So it's a nothing game. It's a meaningless game anyway. Well, you say that, and, but, um, yeah. but imagine this. I mean, Bayern Munich are already through, aren't they? If, yeah. they? if they go to Belgrade and lose and we beat Olympiakos, then we are back to within two points of them. So I, I, know yeah. that it I know it doesn't really matter if um, who, win, who wins the group and who finishes second anymore because, because the, the, the door for the round of 16 will just throw up any tough team. But it will be a real flip, flip in our, um, a real feather in our cap, I should say, if we beat Bayern Munich at their, at their home ground and then win the group by a point. Yeah, but we've, we already did that anyway. We did that in the Audi Cup. We did that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. But I see what you're saying. But you know what? I just think, we'll just take it one game at a time. But I really think if we can beat Olympiacos, Sure mm. that, yeah, because I think for a club like us, just to get past, because obviously I think last year, obviously two years ago when we get, we got past Juventus, got past um, Real Madrid, and to yeah. get, qualify for the group, and mm. that was a first. We hadn't qualified from the group because we had a very easy group the year before. We didn't qualify because obviously no one saw Monaco doing what they did. Yeah, and I think for a club like us to get past to get to the <coughs> finals is a real achievement. I think. Mm. And if we can get to the quarterfinals, then there's eight teams. It's, it's anyone's game. Yeah. Okay? You've only got to play five good games. If mm. you get to the quarterfinals Champions League, you've only got to play five good games. That's it. Mm -hmm. yeah. And in Spurs games, you've only got to play, especially in semifinals, you've only got to play five good minutes, and that's it. But um, that really? aside, no, I just, I, just, <laughs> I just got a funny feeling that I, think, I can see Troy Power and Skip and Tanganga like, getting a shot. And I just think, mm. especially, if, especially if, if, if we beat Olympiacos, they beat Belgrade, they're going to play a bunch of their kids. Mm. Whoever, I think, if it's, I don't think it's Nico, Co I don't know who the interim head of coach is, he could just say, do you know what, I'm going to play my reserves just it's to Sarri. see what I've got there. Pardon? Isn't it Sarri? No, it's, it's um, something Flint or something. Not our man Flint. Is that, you know, that would be a bit strange. But uh, no, it's some guy called Fleet or Flint or something like that. But oh, I can see because obviously they've got focus on the German league. It's, it's very tight on the, in the Bundesliga right now. Oh, yeah, sorry, Napoli. And, yeah. I think, and I think if they can just get past um, Red Star Belgrade, get a result there, I think Red Star Belgrade are really going to bother. I think realistically it will take a real miracle for them to... And it can happen. I'm not saying it can't, but mm -hmm. I sincerely doubt they can really... Even if they... Was it? Even if they somehow beat Olympiacos and Bayern Munich, they were still, you know, the head-to-head. -head, a lot of things have to happen, kind of thing. Antonio Conte is the manager of Inter Milan. Pardon? So Antonio Conte is the manager of Inter Milan. No, yeah, not Conte. I'm just saying, yeah. But that's what yeah. I said. Yeah, yeah. I don't, did I say Conte? I, don't, I don't think I may have mentioned Conte. Okay, who's Flint then? No, Flint. Fleet or Flint. I think he's the he's the interim coach. Right. Oh, oh, oh uh, by Munich. Sorry, I thought you meant Inter Milan. Yeah, okay. I know, the interim coach, and I'm saying that he'll probably have a look at his players. Mm. Now, whether they give him a job or not, I think it gives him a good chance if he gets past the rest of Belgrade. And Dieter Flick. Think, 
Peter Flick, yeah. He can actually have a look at his players and say, look, who's given me something? What can I do? Mm. Yeah. Whether they give him the job or not, which is doubtful, I don't think, rarely that does that happen. Yeah. But it seems a bit harsh. If he wins the league and he, you don't give him that job, it's a bit, a bit mean. Mm. But, um, <laughs> I can really see, I can really see them, you know, but I said a lot has to happen and right now, so Saturday, will you be at the Steve Perriman book signing or will you be going to the pub first thing? I had no idea. It's how, when you got a waitress like that, like Belgrade, kind of get out of the loop. Where's the book signing? So that all our viewers will know. At the Spurs store. Because yeah, I actually yeah. went there. Actually, I went there. I went there today. I had a day off. I took some friends there, mm. and uh, you can you can't actually buy an Ericsson fridge magnet. You know that. You can't <laughs> buy. Yeah, you know, but to be fair, I'd rather have a shag than a desk anyway. But, um, but no, it's just interesting. But like, I actually spent way too much. I bought a Spurs reindeer jumper because at work we have to wear Christmas jumpers. Oh dear. Uh, I have to wear a reindeer jumper. I know. Don't you judge me, Al Hooky. <laughs> it's all right. I really judge. It's all good. But uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, I, yeah. I, I just, I don't know. I don't know. For some reason, I can just see. Yeah. I mean, I was watching. I was watching, and it was incredible. And when these guys were in there, they literally, they said, look, if we don't get out of there, we'll spend way too much money. Mm. And it's so easy. If you, if you spend in there too long, like, mm-hmm. I bought like fridge magnets I didn't even need. One of the guys said something about a half and half scarf. Like, yeah. like, I have no idea what you just said. I walked out, walked mm. away, then I saw all these things. I'm like, oh, damn. I wish, I, I wish you'd have done that now. Now I've seen these fridge magnets. I have to get one. <laughs> and, done, yep. So I spent nearly 100 quid in there. Bloody hell. <laughs> but, uh, and obviously Daniel Lee, apparently they won't let you take as you know, they won't tell you that. Steve, Steve Perriman, for those of you who don't know, this football didn't exist before 1992, clearly. Uh, <laughs> of course. Yep. just had Steve Perriman as just basically our, our, our interim boss. So Steve Perriman, Spurs skipper, probably one of our greatest skippers, won numerous trophies, lifted numerous trophies. But there's yep. something, obviously, I think, I think Chris has actually met, have you met Skip as well? Oh, I have. Yeah, I think there's a picture of me on, on, on my Facebook page. It's uh, yeah, quite a place in the centre of my of my photos. There, it's good. Because I actually met Skip, and I swear mm. to God, that guy has a presence that is incredible. When he talks, you can hear a mouse fart in that place. Mm, that's true. Wouldn't a mouse fart? A mouse wouldn't dare fart in that place. <laughs> he holds court like no one's I've ever seen. So mm. I might be going there, or I might be going, I'll definitely sign off on the coach, do a mm. bit of a pub crawl, because I actually went to the Brickies today. And oh, do you know what? They're actually, they're actually cleaning it up. Oh, really? They're giving it a liquor place. They're actually cleaning the floor. <laughs> so basically, you know, I think basically the old floor from Rudolph's. <laughs> they just transported it over. They transported that over to the Brickies, and now Brickies have got rid of it. And then, I don't know, then I'm, now I'm going there, so because my friends, when they saw the stadium, because they've never been to England before, this is their first trip to the UK, mm-hmm. and when they saw the stadium, they were like, bloody hell, this is just, this is like seriously unreal. Mm-hmm. Kind of thing. It is. And um, so I'm going to be taking on a bit of a pub crawl, probably, you know, start off at, you know, we're going to go get some, some grub, and after that grub, we're going to go, um, what's the word, uh, to, um, just to, Probably, like, you know, go, go, have to go Percy Ingle. You mm-hmm. can't say you've been to Spurs unless you've been to Percy Ingle. Uh-huh. So go, go Percy Ingle. 
Mm-hmm. And then after Percy Engel, probably head up and just go to the coach, go to the brickies. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yep. Actually, like, thing. Go to the brickies and the coach. Yeah, and maybe <laughs> stop in... Because, I don't know, maybe stop in the brewers. I don't know. But, but yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously, I mean, you know, you're more than welcome to join that gaffer. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, I, I, I won't get complaints like, oh, no one told me about the Brian pub crawl at all. <laughs> and, I, and I don't know why that that, meant that, that didn't come out as brummy, but I always like, my face is all brummy. But uh, Chris actually, Chris actually is from Nottingham actually. For those of you who don't know, which is nothing, which is nothing like Birmingham. It's actually not even posh enough to be Birmingham, is, is, is it? <laughs> oh, oh, I am never ever going to oh, go to Nottingham ever, am I? I was going to say I don't think you'd be able to set foot there if you call them brummies. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, I mean that's that's my plans, and like I said it's just been a really good day. I mean, I mm. I took some of the guys out today because I think it's like I said it's about making connections. These guys they've come to Tottenham just to, they wanted to meet up with me anyway, and mm. I don't know why they wanted to meet up with me, but apparently they did. We uh, did Nana Susie's, we did the Greasy Spoon. Mm. I took them out to Tottenham, took them to the marshes. They're able to see the little canals, mm-hmm. and there she got a good look at those. Obviously, we couldn't stop there because of traffic. Mm. But uh, they got to, like kind of understanding why people would come to Tottenham in the first place, and mm-hmm. it's so weird though. Back in the eighteen hundreds, people come to Tottenham for their health. Yeah, yeah it was it was a, a retreat for the rich. Yeah, right now it's, it's a retreat for the rich. So everyone goes, "Oh shit, we're in Tottenham. Let's get the fuck out of here," kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, actually, but, yeah, but I mean, I'm not I'm not saying anything bad about Sheffield United. I should do because mm. the guy, one of the guys I train with, he's a, he's a big Wednesday fan. He hates you, Sheffield United. Uh, but uh, I must admit, I'm actually looking forward to seeing them play because I want to see how this, um, what do they call it? The alternating centre-backs, you mean? I really want to see how this thing works. I've heard about it. Yeah. I've never seen it. So I really want to, honestly, I'm actually more, I'm not going to get the win, obviously, and everything else. Mm. But I'm actually more intrigued about how we deal with overlapping centre-back things. So that'll be interesting. So, yeah, I'll be at the, I don't, hopefully, if you, if you get a chance to meet Skip, take it. Skip is such a legend, and I would really recommend just meeting yeah. him. Yeah. Looks but the problem is, there's going to be such a huge queue to get into the Spurs store anyway. True. But, um, and I've already met Skiff anyway, so, and I'm not <laughs> much of a book reader anyway, so, but I, you know. <laughs> <laughs> guess, guess who else I saw today? I saw Ronnie. Ronnie? Ronnie from Ronnie Events. Oh, Ronnie Kid. Yeah. And, um, yeah, yeah, Ronnie Events. He's actually got a name. That's the name of this. That's the name of this of, of, the, of this episode. Ronnie events. <laughs> <laughs> it's all done. <laughs> uh, I saw him and like because I think it's because the thing is there's a lot of people. Obviously, we got to be careful now because we one of the supplement board members. She's also should we, should we mention her um, nights? Got it. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know her. You don't. Oh, Joe's actually, actually got a uh, name for it, but uh, yeah, it's Lor- Lorraine Bergstrom, and she does her own uh, Legends Nights as well. And uh, she's actually... They, they legends at, 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 uh, at the coaching horses as well. Apparently, Paul Stewart is going to be um, doing the doing MCing. So there's a lot of people yeah. doing this. I mean, there's a lot of interest in this, but, you know, so who knows? It could be um, quite, quite tasty, but mm. I'm hoping... But I'm just... Should we finish this off? Like, let's just go teams... 
So my oh, well, one second before you finish it off, I just uh, thought I'd plug Lorraine's uh, uh, Legend Nights, which is uh, a presence, a, which is called Presence, a dinner with Glenn Hoddle and Chris Waddle and Graham Roberts. That's on the 21st of May, and it's going to be held in uh, Inglebourne Links Golf and Country Club, which is in Wellington, is which is in Essex, Bay. So uh, yeah, 21st of May that will be next year. So. Uh, you can. I wonder. I wonder if they'll ask if Hoddle and Waddle was in Diamond Lights. Don't tempt them. Don't tempt them. Oh! <laughs> no, <laughs> you know what? I must admit that is going to be pretty tasty, actually. It'll be a good I night. Back, it'll be a good night. And so, seeing as seeing as a plug in our mates, anyway, my mm. buddy Tom Mitch, um, <laughs> he helps. He works with Mickey Hazard on. Um, I think it's Mickey Hazard Events, or whatever it's called, mm. and. Uh, That'll be, they're doing Glenn Hoddle night as well. So uh, if you're one of those people that was able to see Glenn, I mm. actually got, so I got the shake and, and Glenn wasn't really a player. I mean, someone said to me like Teddy Sheridan, I, I probably more seen him at Teddy Sheridan than mm. Glenn Hoddle because that's a player that I can actually remember seeing a lot more yep. than say. But yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things happening. So it's, all, it's so strange, you know, how things are going at the club and just, I mean, obviously you had two guys that flew away from Arizona was it on Thursday morning and they've got the experience about Tottenham and they just turn it and they're, and they're flying out on Monday. So they don't have a lot of time over here. And the fact they're willing to spend two to, to what, two days in Tottenham. Mm. Yeah. And who knows, you know, we're doing a pub crawl. We might, we might be going to um, a curry house afterwards. So yeah, it should be a, it should be a lit night. If you want to come along, hopefully Chris may get this on Spotify pretty soon. And, um, Mm-hmm. Yeah, apparently I am the guy to speak to for Tottenham Tours, and I am not the guy that stole material from Pete Hayne. Um, I, <laughs> I am not that guy at all. Because it, 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 it isn't Pete's material, it's uh, some other geezer uh, uh, from the Annie. It's his material I've next. Yeah, yeah, check it out. So thank you, for Chris, for being this, on this episode of... What's your team, Ron? You're on your back. And um, yeah, as always. Oh yeah, by the way, before we finish off, so my um, before Chris rudely interrupted me, and I rudely interrupted him back. I'm gonna go <laughs> Gazza and goal. Um, I'm actually, I don't know. I want to, I want to play a back three, but we haven't really got the fullbacks say a back three really, not just yet. If we had like the proper flying fullbacks, we could really play a proper like, you know, solid back three. But I'm gonna go Gazza and goal. Dyer, probably Toby and Sanchez. Mm-hmm. In, uh, Toby and Sanchez in um, Central. I think it's interesting. I, I think even I, I don't know. Dyer didn't really put a foot wrong actually, so it's hard to take him out. But mm. I really, I'm actually thinking that they're gonna. I think Ndombele is not gonna last 90 minutes. I'd start with Ndombele, but mm-hmm. I don't think he's gonna be knackered after 45 minutes. <laughs> I honestly see that happening, okay. and I can <laughs> see that happening, and I can see us then deciding. You know what? Let's bring on um, Dyer and Winks, you know, and then no, just give them. Like, well, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. It'll be interesting. But I thought I'm gonna go. With, I'm gonna go with Toby and Sanchez, um, Davies, and oh, I don't know. Either Serge or one voice, and mm. I think he'll play the same midfield and the same attack, but he will look to maybe try and give minutes. To Ryan Sessegnon on an error dyer because those are two of his those those are two players he really really likes. Mm. Two of his favourites, 
And I think Deli Alley's going to get a brace. I think it'll be 2 0 to us. I mm. think Deli Alley's going to make Gareth Southgate look like a tit. <laughs> uh, don't, don't, don't. I say nothing. I just listen. One of my mouth, unfortunately, that is your position, really, of just listening. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm going to 2 0 to us. What about you, Skip? How would you line up? Well, mine, well, I guess I'll, I'll pretty much keep the, the same team, almost. Um, obviously, Gazza in goal, I think he's been brilliant. And it's been, I know he's been in force, but uh, he has done exceptionally well in that position so far. He's great to say to where he he's very vocal. I like him. Uh, Centre-back, ah, it's hard to say. I would mean, ideally, I would I'd probably say... Uh, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, want to go for it. I say Dar and Sanchez in the middle because well, Dar looks very calming, very relaxed, and very com- you know, and very commanding as well. He, he, he helps Sanchez kind of stay, well, just just kind of stay awake really throughout the ninety minutes against the Red Star. And then yeah, I'll go with it with Davis on the left, and um, I'd say fourth in the right. Give him that slide. I think I think he's going to. And then. In, in, because I think unfortunately he's in that position now you've got to start being able to play consecutive matches mm. first. and I think exactly. this is the game where you give him that and say look just go out do your thing do you know what even if you get knackered by like 40 minutes shit mm. will take you off if you need to do you know what I mean yeah but but I, give it all you can he should be building his fitness up anyway, so it should last more more than the seventy minutes he lasted against uh, Red Star. So um, we'll just we'll just give him that then, and then and then in the the three, I'd say oh, by the way, four two three one, and then I'll have let's see, Marcelo. Probably start with Ali, and then if Lamella is fit, I'll have him there as well because I just and like Lamella's rolled out. Lamella's oh, rolled out. Says it's on Oh right, I see. Oh, okay, in that case, uh, so Marcelo. And then Ali, and then I probably have Lucas, uh, just just someone who we can hassle and Harry, and then um, uh, as as a focal point. Okay, interesting. You would have played Sunny then. I'd say bring Sunny on a little bit later. I think. Um, not quite sure why. I just have a thing that Sunny uh, will have have a have a, 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 a good last twenty five minutes against Everton. Yeah. And yeah. I, I, for me, I'm gonna, I would just bring on Lucas as an impact on our person myself. But yeah, anyway, that's that's enough ranting for me. I I'll thank Chris for being on this, and they mm. can find Chris at Chrisandro C R S A N D R O underscore. That's me. We go by the same like man like Chris. Mm-hmm. They cannot find my tours at the Real Shabon. <laughs> and um, yeah, but yeah, and hopefully, as like I said, we're gonna be. I'll be. I mean, I think we'll generally be, you know, I said I'll be at the Brickies, you know, the, uh, the Annie um, and the coach, Percy Ingle, obviously, and go um, from there. <laughs> cool stuff. And uh, people will be able to find me at the coaching horses uh, tomorrow. And um, yeah, we're Captain Morgan and Pineapple, not Malibu and Pineapple. It's oh, forget, forget Malibu, man. That's way too commercial. Captain Morgan's on right there. Sorry, Debs. Oh, right. let's not get started. There. I'm, I'm not. Hopefully, Debbie's got her muffins out. <laughs> ready? Of course. No, no, no. I say nothing. I just say, of course. Of course. Anyway, that comes in. That comes in. So, as always, come on, you Spurs.
Yeah, I won't use Spurs. You all take care now. <laughs>